Hi, welcome back everyone to Unlocking Your World of Creativity. And when we talk about unlocking your world, we've got some keys today and we've got a couple of guests that are high energy creative guys. And when we talk about your world of creativity, we're gonna take a very high level and global view. And then they're also gonna talk about their global connections and their journey from another part of the world here to the US. And today we're traveling to Jacksonville, Florida, and we've got Luis and Fonzi from the Biz Bros. And I say that because that's the only way I've ever heard it. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Yeah, what's up, Mark? Thank you for having us here. It's an honor sharing some of this time with you. Unlocking your world of creativity with Mark Stinson. Copyright 2021. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get our book, A World of Creativity. Paperback is at a special price of $5.98. And the Kindle version is only 99 cents. Go to my website, mark-stinson.com. The book is featured on the homepage. You can click it and go to Amazon, mark-stinson.com, and enjoy the book. Let's just start there. The creative energy is one way to look at it. The creative friction could be another, but you certainly play off each other. How does your creative process work to really capture the ideas between you two? That's a great question. Even though we're brothers, we, we have, <laughs> I, I think we have very different personalities and ways yes. to operate that is for sure so you know mainly i've been trying to work on my operational side and trying to nail down the operational side of things and my brother he's a dreamer as well but he's a great operator right you. and he, he you know he just grabs <laughs> things and he puts them in place and he makes them work, which is absolutely amazing, right? So my master plan when we started this whole BizRose thing was, you know, how can I have a job where my brother does everything? That, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. But, you know, so, I, I had that dream at age 16 as well, but my brother was only 11. He couldn't do much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's tough, you know, but it's a great question because when we grew up, right, we grew up in, in Venezuela and and it, it wasn't the same as here in the U.S. in terms of education and the, the entrepreneurship world, right? Like back home, we were just, okay, we're going to go to school and then we might follow in our parents' path, right? Go to college and then figure it out. So we didn't live around this big culture around entrepreneurship, but we didn't know it. We had needs at the moment for, you know, maybe buy some candy, go to the movies with friends, all the fun stuff that you do as a kid that we need money for. And now we're happy that our parents said no to us on giving us money because that made us get a little bit creative with ideas, right? So I think that's when that process of how do we come up with different things in our life to pretty much get what yeah. we want out of this, right? Yeah. Mark, I remember a specific episode, you know, going along with, with what Fonsi is saying. Our dad was like, figure it out, right? Like there's a lot of stuff in the house that you guys can do, right? And and again, you know, right now I'm 31, Fonsi is 28. So this, this happened a, a few years back, but I remember wanting my first cell phone, right? And I think I've told this story maybe once before, but my parents were absolutely not. And I was what, 12, 13, I don't know. I was like one of those brick Nokias, right? And I was like, I need it, I want it, you know, why, why can't I have it? Like, oh, my friends are doing it, right? And they're like, figure it out, right? So one of my ways to do that was I did a whole person 
presentation on why I should have a cell phone, right? And I sat him down and, you know, today that's a, the modern webinar, right? And I was like, yes. here's the situation on why, you know, th this is a situation I can be in that we might need a phone for X, Y, Z, right? I, I didn't sell it well enough. I don't feel like I didn't tell enough stories, but that's, you know, that's where our head was starting to figure out these creative ways to solve problems yeah. that we saw as problems, right? So, so to circle back to your question, Mark, right? I think growing up in that environment where we were pretty much challenging a way to come up with solutions for our own problems. And given that we have this different type of personalities, when we finally decided to take on business and say, okay, let's do something together. I think it was just a great match and the way it just blended because of course, yeah, we're brothers, right? But there's plenty of businesses that, you know, brothers can't work together. So I, I think in a sense, the upbringing and kind of like our story helped us now work together in a, in a better way and be creative, right? Like putting these ideas onto the table. I feel confident now because I know my brother is going to execute and crush it, right? And me alone, <laughs> the way I'm going to help him out too in execution. When we talk about like operations, help us define the business. I mean, there's so many yep. things that you have your fingers into, but there's still a core purpose, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. That's also a really good question, which, you know, we've been revisiting that in the last in the last few weeks. You know, the reason we're going to come close to you in Boise is a stage of that. But basically what we do as a business, as a service, we have an agency side of things where we grab long form content and turn it into a ton of amazing assets for whatever objective, organic, paid media, and what that comes in. So it's basically leveraging your platform. So we offer that as a service for other people. Inside of that, there's different phases. There are about seven phases that we've been able to develop with, with our team to do that. So that's, that's, that's one part of the business. The other side of the business, it's, you know, we're just talking offline. We just launched our community, the Content is Profit Facebook group, which is been we've been listening to the audience and now we're trying to figure out like what's next for the audience side of things, right? So there's that element on the community side of things. There's the element of the platform itself, which is the show Content is Profit. So there's some logistics that happen behind that show on how to run it. We do three live interviews every single week. We started in March and we haven't slowed down. In fact, we're even thinking about continuing and creating just solo episodes in the days that we don't have interviews. So there's a whole process with a team that runs that immediately and then the service side of things from customer service all the way there, right? So there's all these processes and then add the dreamer face of Fonzie. It was like, we should be doing this and X, Y, Z. And what are those Lego pieces, right? We see it as Lego pieces that we can add. And then first we execute, we elevate it to where we think we can get it to, to as a minimal viable process. And then what we're doing now is plugging in the people in that process so they can elevate it, right? So there's all these different parts. We did not start there. And by the way, this is offering just one service. Like there's only one specific service that we offer. There's no like, they're like, hey, send us your options. It's just one service, right? And the reason it's just one is because a few years back when we first started, the business has evolved. As BizRose, we started doing vinyl stickers about five years ago. And then from there, it was screen printing t-shirts, right? In the garage, typical story of entrepreneurs like 90 degree weather in Florida, crazy doing the squeegee <laughs> thing. And then from there, it evolved into a social media marketing agency. We built some funnels for brick and mortars and campaigns, and we diversified the service aspect. But what that caused was a lot of friction with customers, a lot of friction inside of the business because we couldn't really dive in deep into one thing. And, and we were completely not in, not in sync, not only with each other, but with our clients, right? And that caused a lot of friction. We didn't know what we didn't know at the time. And then that's when, you know, we hired our first coach. And, and from there, it was like narrow it down to 
to just one thing and we dive very, very deep from there. What happened afterwards is that we've been able to develop the show and then the service on the back end that right now I feel is like very, very solid. There's always things to improve on. But that was kind of like we started all over the place and when we narrowed down and now what's happening is like that spine and this was a conversation that we had with Chris Doe was like once you focus on that spine, either your, your service or your process, then other opportunities starts to come up out of that. And then we now are able to choose, okay, what is the opportunity that kind of makes more sense for us as a business or relationship and then go explore that situation. So, you know, I see what you're saying about that, that help? central, <laughs> well, that central idea or that spine is a good visual. So no matter, Hey, somebody might look at you and say, well, you have 75 things going on. Yes, but we have one thing that we do. You know, we might yeah. communicate it or express it in all these ways. Absolutely. And you know, Mark, I think it's, it's interesting because I mean, we all know now we live in such a fast paced world that we all want sometimes quick results, right? And that was us a few years back. We just wanted these quick results. And therefore that's why we were offering so many things and putting our focus just everywhere because we didn't know the value of focus and actually long-term committed action right into one specific task, one specific part of the service. So we were just bouncing around. And when that happens, right? You're not making any substantial progress in any of the activities that you are doing, right? So it is important to actually focus on one. And it actually took us, we were at this event and we're watching someone talk and he draw a circle and his whole presentation was about focus. And he says, guess what? Say I put my business inside of this circle. This circle represents my focus. 100% of my focus is in my business right now. Now let's split it down the middle. And on the other side, I'm going to write family. Now, 50% of my focus is in the business. 50% is in the family. As simple as that, just by adding one more thing, your focus, right? It's already being shared. Now, imagine if you put another part of your business in there, another service, totally different. Now you're splitting that focus even more, right? So we just start adding all these pieces and that's what we were doing. We're like, what is the piece that is going to give us that quick win? We were just chasing that quick win. Therefore, our focus was like all over the place and we weren't making any substantial progress in any of those pieces. And when we finally decided to, hey, let's just work on this thing. That's when it changed. That's when we went from freelancers to actual business owners yeah. from just the two of us to a team of eight, right? And it was crazy what Focus did for us. Yeah. Yeah. And to well, super I back think to so the- many people can relate to that yes. because, you know, we are so busy and you feel you feel like, well, if we're busy and the wheels are turning, we must be making progress. Well, mm-hmm. the wheels could just be stuck in the mud or the yep. wheels could just be skidding on the side, you know, on the uh, road. But yeah. I, I want to touch on a couple of things that you said. And, and first, let's just focus in on this content is profit because I know we have so many listeners of this podcast who have been told, you know, content is king. You got to write content. You got to fill up your social media feed. You got to do lives, get on clubhouse, ding, 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 clubhouse. What makes content profitable? Or I guess, how does one think about content in the context of profit? Yeah. Great question. So that's been an interesting journey for us too. 
right? And that's why we have the platform, which we're figuring out. And and what we've seen so far in the last year or so that we've implemented and, and, and being on the show is that for each person that comes in, that might mean something different, right? Uh, a lot of people that start on content start with it like, okay, I need more eyes. I need more followers. Well, why? How do we connect the content with actual profit? Profit for us has a different meaning, not only on the monetary thing, but time, right? Are, are we producing content that is actually giving us back the time, for example? We're producing content that is leveraging relationships for strategic partnerships. Are we creating content that adds value to my customer? Hence, the profit comes, right? And the question has been, how do we connect that content that we create call it video podcast, call it YouTube show. How do we connect it to the profit and the monetary side of things? In between, there might be some different steps depending on who we're talking to. And we actually just jump off a conversation with an incredible company in South America called Value, right? They're using crypto to create like a whole economy to stabilize the economy in South America. Incredible mission, incredible thing, right? And what they're trying to do is they're leveraging their platform for their connections on the back end, look either for partnerships, investments, for investors in their specific market, while at the same time they're creating and helping their audience understand what these terms are, like crypto and so on, and hence create a customer journey to their platform, which at the end of the day, it will become their profit, right? So I think a lot of the conversations that we've had lately with people maybe entering the space has been that we might be so very short-sighted and we've been there right like if i create this piece of content call it an instagram post right or a facebook post very very attached to what we call the vanity metrics how many people liked it how many people engage with it right and then what what we realized after we started the show, we changed perspective on that. We're like, let's start the show with a mentality of like, what if, what happens if we try things new, right? What happens if we try our message? What happens if we put ourselves out there multiple times? Well, there's a lot of changes and Fonsi can attest to this that happen inside of us, right? We start understanding what we stand for. We start understanding what our company stands for. We've become very comfortable at sharing that message. Then that message starts to resonate with people all over the place. And even though if they don't engage with your content, they're going to be listening multiple times. So for us, it became about how can we be present every single day, multiple times, and then engage in conversations. So that's when the profit comes because then I can start a conversation and find out what are the needs of my audience and then solve the problem to, for that audience. Hence, it becomes a profitable relationship later on, right? And that problem can be, hey, can I introduce you to somebody of value? Hey, do I have a service that can solve a problem for you? Hey, do I have a product that solves a problem for you, right? If the answer is no, hey, don't worry. Is there somebody else that might need this? So then we continue the conversation. It's like, how can we help each other? And then that's how we've been able to, to connect the dots, right? I feel like everybody has their own journey and the, and the power of content, I believe every day is like, is about the leverage, is about not just exposure on the marketing side of things, but on the personal development inside that is going to allow you to grow to the level that then you can grow your business. Yeah. Uh, the connecting the dots is, I mean, exactly what you're describing. And if you're on this journey, dot to dot to dot, well, then that's advancement. But those vanity metrics are so alluring. They're so addicting. Oh, look how many thumbs up I got. Look how many downloads I got. How do you detox off of that? How did it work for you to, I mean, you talked about this internal reset that you did. 
That's interesting. That's an interesting question, you know. Um, About three, four years ago now, when we actually started in the digital space market, we started listening to all the people saying, you got to publish, you got to publish, right? All the big gurus and all the people that were actually publishing, they were saying, you got to publish. So we knew this for quite a few years, but we never got actually started, right? Like, why? Why is that? And it, it comes back because that fear of rejection or like fear of judgment, right? I personally remember, you know, putting the camera and then saying to myself, oh, what are my friends going to think if they see me right in here? Like I'm a little embarrassed. And then you just literally kick yourself out of producing anything or creating any sort of content. Then when we started producing content for other people and we had the equipment, we wanted the content to look so perfect, so nice that later on we found out perfection was just an excuse because we were afraid of putting ourselves out there. Right? So it got to a point where we were literally like, there's no other choice. We need to do it. We have been listening to this message for three years, right? It's okay. Like we, you need to come to terms that you got to put yourself out there. And if people say, first of all, let me clarify this is very weird. Honestly, I don't think we have found anybody that has said anything weird or, you know, mean in social media to us. Like, so that is just a product of our head, right? Of our own imagination. So it is important, right? To come at peace with yourself and say, you know what? I'm okay with putting myself out there. If people say something to me, actually I'm grateful because if they, if it's something negative, that means that they are literally calling themselves out so I can push them aside and I cannot pay attention to them anymore, right? But a lot of people are focused on, like you said, the vanity metrics first, because I feel like everybody has this sense as human beings, of course, to feel important, right? Like, oh, well, the word is the word is vanity. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So everybody's like, oh, I feel so good and stuff. Well, guess what? Sharing your change the mindset, change the story behind that belief, right? Change your perspective. For us, it became about wow, it feels good sharing our message, right? It feels good maybe impacting one person that can potentially impact some other people, right? Like that for us, it started feeling good instead of how many likes do I have, right? And quick little secret in here, we actually did our podcast for the first six months and we never looked at the metrics. Like we just did it. We just put it out there and our focus wasn't the how many views are we getting because we knew from the beginning we're not going to be able to monetize our podcast at first from sponsorships or anything because we don't have an audience, right? So what are we going to focus in? We're going to focus on building quality relationships. If I'm worried on how many people are watching my content, I can worried on building a strong relationship with my guest in my podcast, right? So it came down to the mindset and accepting that yes, there's going to be people out there that might judge you. And guess what? That's totally fine because you can then yeah. push them around, right? Go away from that toxic environment. And the best part, you find out that there's actually people that is rooting for you, that they're excited for you to win, that they're excited to hear what you have to say. And I think the biggest proof of that for us has been that we just actually launched a Facebook group and we were launching the 45 live challenge that we did it personally in our, for ourselves. And now we're doing it for, for the public. And we have 50 other people that wanted to join the challenge along with us, right? And we're like, what? That is so <laughs> exciting, right? Like this is people that have heard the message. The message has resonated. And then we have hopefully been able to make an impact in their life. Imagine if we would have been looking on all the lives and then 
stop right there. Be like, oh, we don't get enough lives, right? Like, let's not do it anymore. Like, none of this would have happened. We probably wouldn't be here with you. So definitely, there's a lot of mental work with it, but you got to come at peace with it. And I'm not saying it's easy. It does sound simple, but it is definitely not easy. One thing that helped me, Mark, was shifting my perspective on, on these indicators. Like, we see them as indicators or samples, right? So once we started publishing, obviously, you know, we talk about a, a concept called the publishing pyramid. At the very bottom, you have your message that you have to practice daily. Then it's like your consistency, like how consistent can you be along, you know, on your calendar by publishing? And then you have resources and scaling, right? So at the very beginning, when you're starting up with content, maybe those resources are not available to you. Maybe your only resource is time, right? So according to your time, how can you practice your message as consistent as possible? For us was finding something called the minimal viable content. That was our Facebook live, right? So if you're a writer, you can do your daily vlog. For example, if you are a a tweet maniac, you just tweet like five times a day. Like what is your capacity on a daily basis to stay consistent? So once we did that, we're like, okay, let's use these pieces of content as sample pieces to see what the feedback is. What is the audience resonating with? So if I I published, let's say 10 times, and out of those 10 times, only one of those pieces of content resonated, we're like, oh, that's a great indicator. Like it got two likes more than everybody else that got zero. Sweet, that's an indicator that that message is resonating. Let's grab that and put it in our library of stories or put it in a library of maybe a concept. So I'll give you another example. The publishing pyramid I just mentioned, right? We were on an interview with an amazing entrepreneur called Catherine Jones. And she asked us a question. It's like, how have you guys been able to evolve this thing? And we talked for the first time ever, the publishing pyramid came into mind. And we're like, these are the four stages. And it was like a 10 minute conversation. And then after the interview, she's like, man, that, that was pretty interesting. And we're like, indicator that resonates. That evolved, that concept evolved into a keynote that we delivered to the VidFest community. And that's the perspective that it helped us move forward. We're like, okay, if we can put as much content as possible based on our capacity, and that increases when your resources increase as well, right? I can collect more samples to see what resonates with my audience and then see what I can help them with, right? Call it service, call it product, call it keynote, call it XYZ, right? So that helped us very, very quickly to be able to continue to create, continue to put samples out there and, and collect the feedback so then we can help the community. Yeah, Makes that's sense. a great point. Like changing that perspective on what are you gaining, right? And the gain is not on the views and the likes, the vanity metrics. What is the gain on your business, on your message, right? You're clarifying your message. And I remember now that you mentioned that I totally forgot about that story. That was a good one. We, after she said like, wow, that was pretty good. I remember as soon as the Zoom call was over, we grabbed a piece of paper and we're, and we're like, let's write this draw. down. Yeah. Like let's yeah. draw this framework because it resonated with someone that has been so successful in the online space that I'm sure is going to resonate with a lot of people. And like my brother said, now we actually, that's one of probably the anchors of, of, of our topics that we talk about. I love that. Well, tell me more about this live challenge. It sounds like something people could really get engaged in. Yeah, definitely. Very simple. Objective is consistency and accountability, right? So quick story, we did two seasons internally for for us. The first time that we did it was because we just literally got a gut punch from a presentation that we were doing. And one of the guys was like, where is your content? And at the time we had no content. This was about two years ago. And we're like, we need to have consistent publishing. Basically, that's what we talked about like after that meeting because we couldn't close any of the eight people that were sitting in that room. So we're like, we need to be present every single day. And looking back, we identify what was the friction points, what are the resources that 
that we had at the time, we didn't have a team at the time. So how could we execute? And for us, that was the minimal viable content of going Facebook Live because going and hitting means that I was publishing right away. Right. So we decided to do 45 days because we we're coming out of a fitness challenge called the 75 hard. We completed it. It was very challenging. It was two workouts a day. There's other stuff that we were doing. And we're like, how can we make this like so challenging that we have to actually do accountable for this? Right. And it was just us. Well, Mark, let me ask you a question. How many days do you think we lasted in that first time of 45 live? I'd guess two or three. Well, th thank you for the word of confidence just saying. And then uh, let me ask you, why, why do you think we lasted that, those amount of days? Well, because I think if you're like me anyway, or a lot of people, you sort of come out of the gates enthusiastic and, and blasting. And then on day two or three, you go, well, you know, it was harder than it looked, or, you know, I got really busy, or, you know, I have that conflict. I forgot about this thing I was supposed to do Thursday, uh, <laughs> whatever the case is. Exactly. So uh, a lot of people share probably the same answer that you do. We lasted actually 15 days. We did yeah. not complete the 45 days, but it was because we actually got incredible traction and we got incredible results and we got uh, the biggest ever client wow. that we've ever had at the time, which allocated some resources, which were time at the time uh -huh. to execute for that client. So we're like, wow, consistency works. And this was somebody that never engaged, never commented. We call it the silent watchers. And then they saw my video as I was doing it at 11.30 at night, the day that I did not want to publish. And he saw it then, and there was an opportunity that he resonated with, and he invited us over to do something called a content dinner that he was a concept that he was building, and that created a relationship that then became the opportunity, right? Then season two happens. We're like, we got to do this again because we stopped, and people are like, why don't you do more of what works? And we're like, we actually have no idea why we stopped, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, guess how many days we lasted Second time around. Well, now I know I should have more confidence in you. If you lasted 15 days, how, how long did this take? So we lasted 17 days uh -huh. before we actually got another client related like with that content. Fonzi was the executioner like on the service side of things. So he went ahead and, you know, his resources. And you know, on my side, I was like, I'm committed. I need to finish this. But all my videos were at 12 at night, like almost at noon, almost at midnight, right? Because I was committed to consistency, right? That's what works is putting the reps on creating that content and see what works for me, what is the framework and try things out again, collecting samples, right? So that story has resonated with a lot of people because we connected the consistency part. We stayed accountable with each other. We stayed accountable with the people that were tuning in, even though if it was one person, we knew that it was gonna make the difference for that one person, right? Like it happened the first time on day 15, like it happened the second time at day 17. And we're like, we need to continue to do this, right? So then that evolved into our minimal viable show, which is the beginnings of content is profit. That is why we do it live. And then that story started to resonate. So now it resonated so much that one of our staff members came in one of our daily huddles and he's like, guys, I'm motivated. I'm hyped up. I'm actually going to do my own 45 live. And like him, many other people also resonated and they did their own 45 live challenge. And we heard the feedback and they're like, you guys should do something with this. You guys should do. And we're like, ah, I don't know if we're ready. Like we're, we're, we're focused, right? The, the circle of focus, we need to be focusing on, on the service side of things and so on. But when we share the story of our staff member starting his own challenge 
a lot of people resonated right away. It was incredible. We did like, we did a training in a Facebook group with like 300 people and the whole community was blowing up the chat saying, we want to do it too. We want to do it. The host is like, I'm signing up. And we're like, I turn around to phones and I'm like, I guess we're doing this, right? And it's again, is the message that we collected through sharing those stories through pieces of content that resonated. So now we're actually launching season three. So today's actually the welcome class. We have it at 5 p.m. with everybody in the group. If they're interested, they can go to Contents Profit on Facebook. They can find the Facebook group. By the time this airs, the group might be probably going on. But the challenge itself starts tomorrow, Wednesday. And it's very simple. It's we got to post live daily for 45 days. That's what we're measuring. We're measuring consistency and we're going to hold each other accountable. We're actually doing it too. And there might be some surprises along the way that, uh, that we're preparing for everybody to make it a fun experience. Well, we're going to put that out there right now. Well, let me ask you this, guys. What is the power of live? I mean, I, I get that there is a social content, you know, or publishing goal of do something daily, put it out there. But you've added this level of, and it's, and it's going to be live. Tell me about that. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question, right? And there's a principle behind the 45 live and why we decided to do it, right? Like my brother said, and like we mentioned before, we've tried different things, right? All this perfectionism with content, uh, value of production, make it look super nice. Guess what? All those are just friction points. Friction points that do not let you take action and move forward. So when we were doing this fitness challenge, right, and these people, it aligned with the people saying no to making business with them. We were like, okay, man, we need to start publishing. We need to do something. But we cannot have a full-on production because it's going to take hours. It's going to take a lot of time out of our day that we do not have to implement in here. So we came up with what we call now the minimum viable content. What is the least amount of effort that we can put to actually have a good piece of content going out there, right? Again, we were telling the story before in our heads that good content had good production value, right? That was a story that we had in our head. Why? Because we were used to consuming this YouTube information, right? I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that, right? We all see this amazingly produced content and then we want our content to look that way. So we had that thought in our head and it got to the point where we're like, okay, we need to change that story. What about the quality of the message over the quality of the production? And we started to realize there are videos that are extremely well produced and they look amazing that they don't keep my attention. That after 30 seconds, I'm like, I've gone next. And there's videos that is literally a person at a desk talking, no production value whatsoever. And I'm like, <gasps> say more like i'm invested in this and it's because the message is so good the stories that the person is telling they're so good that you immediately are invested into that content so that's when we realize okay focus on the message no need for the production at first eventually when we have the resources and the capacity to do it sure that can come the production can come then but first let's focus on the message now do we record it and then have to edit it and publish it? No, that's friction. Another friction point, right? We will be adding a few more minutes, if not hours, to the process. So how do we publish it without any friction, right? That minimal viable content going live. Because live just allows you to have your message and literally press record, go live, 
and now you start speaking into the world and it's already published in there. Now, the cool thing is after we did it that way, we realized there's so much more to gain than just going out there and sharing your message, right? The beautiful thing is once we started going live, guess what? There are no cuts or redos <laughs> when you make mistakes, right? right. And You're just moving forward. Exactly. Yeah. You yeah. just got to move forward. And before that, I think it was like about a year before that, we actually started to, you know, try to launch a podcast and we had multiple cameras, all the equipment, and we would record like 30 minutes of an episode. And then guess what? We will make a mistake and we'll be like, nope, let's start all over again. How much friction is that, right? Mm -hmm. So fast forward again, back to the 45 Live. When we're recording live, we're like, whoa, I made a mistake. I got to learn how to deal with it now. And guess what? Sometimes you just got to accept that you make a mistake. <laughs> and guess what? People love it. People love when you're vulnerable. And those things happen because those things happen to the people that are listening too, so it, it, it's incredible because it actually, I feel like it builds up your character to go on live, right? Your true self to actually go and embrace your mistakes, which is absolutely amazing. And therefore, that's why we do our show live, right? Because when we, again, came mm -hmm. back to the idea of, okay, we need a podcast. We need to start the podcast again. How are we going to do it? Well, minimal viable content. We had the equipment. Cool. We invested in it up like two years ago. So now... So we don't have to produce anything, you know, all these friction points, let's do it live. And that's what we do our show live every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday <laughs> is literally to hold ourselves accountable. And because now we love embracing the mistakes and they happen, they happen all the time. Uh, I'll say oh, they yeah. happen almost every uh, I do love that. <laughs> I do love that. Yeah. And I, I, I do. And even as you were describing, I do think back to my early podcast. This is episode 70, 70, which yes. I cannot believe. But I do think about the over editing. Oh, they said, oh, they said, you know, and oh, they mispronounced my name or whatever. And, yeah. But hey. It's yeah, all part look, of the look, it's all yeah. part of the process. It's part mm -hmm. of the journey, right? Like yes. at some point, right? Like whoever is listening to this, right? To get started, remove as much friction as possible so you can execute. At some point, if you have the resources and you want to hire somebody to take care of that for you, that's totally okay. That's why yeah. big networks like these highly produced, amazing shows, and that's okay too. But we gotta, you know, be very honest with ourselves and see where do we fit, right? I think for us. We're probably not going to ever, you know, grab an, an audio editor and take out our, the ums and the us. There's probably a ton of them. And the guy will probably quit before, you know, yeah. he gets to the first. <laughs> yeah, right. and that's fine. Time. <laughs> but, but that's okay. But we got to understand, okay, what is my minimum? How yeah. am I able to execute consistently? Right. And for everybody, there's going to be a little bit of a difference in there. So we just open yourself to, yeah. it's going to happen. And, and it's like, because they're going to happen. So how can you push forward yeah. through execution? And to, to so add good. a little a little extra in there, a little extra spice, is that the mistakes are not going to be consistent forever. Like the reason we made mistakes, right, and, and we fail, and I'm doing air quotes in here, right, is because we want to learn, right? If we don't fail, we don't learn. So every time we're making mistakes, guess what? We go back and we're like, okay. How can we solve this? So if, for example, I've been personally more conscious on the ums and ums and all that stuff, because I know I used to say them a lot. So I'm like, okay, how can I stop saying this? And guess what? 
is gonna be it's gonna take time it's not gonna be from episode 48 to episode 49 mm -hmm. all the ums and ums stop but i'm okay with it i'm okay with putting myself out there yeah talking and i'm a little bit more conscious about it now right in a good way in a good way i don't care if i say them i'm totally okay with it too but you keep progressing as you go and the beautiful thing is that now you have a whole journey of progress that has been recorded that someone when they tune into your episode 215 and they listen how cool you 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 talk to the mic right how how good you sound and they're like wow i want to be like them one day right i want to be like mark one day and then they go back to episode one and they listen to all your ums and ums and non-edited audio right <laughs> and you like my brother dropping beer on the on the on the, on the, on the computer that's what it happened they're yep, gonna be that, like yep Wow, that's even better because now I relate because look at all the look at his journey. Like I'm here right now where he was 200 episodes ago. Now I can get I know there's a, a, a path for me to actually get better and get to episode 215 and yeah. be as good as that other person is or honestly as good as you are can be. Yeah, so encouraging. Well, guys, what a terrific conversation. My guests have been Luis and Fonzie, the brothers, the biz bros, and their show is Content is Profit, and their company is Biz Bros. Guys, this has been just terrific, and I just this recap of a publishing pyramid, uh, minimum viable content. Uh, what a takeaway, and, and why live is so powerful. But I love this idea of the 45 Live Challenge, and Luis, give us one more take on how we get involved in this challenge that's coming up right now. Yes, absolutely. So if you go to go45.live, it's going to send you directly to our Facebook group. Just add to request and then we'll, we'll fit you in. There's going to be resources on a membership site that we open for everybody to, to see those videos. So even if you go in after today's, even if you go in today, that group is still going to be open. There's going to be a ton of engagement there. So go45.live is the fastest way to to go and, and tune into that. It's exciting. Awesome. Well, thank you. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, what a terrific conversation. I've really enjoyed it and it's been inspiring. And I guess listeners, this is the example. When we say a world of creativity, Luis and Fonzie by way of Venezuela, now in Jacksonville, Florida, traveling next week to Boise, Idaho. What, what a world journey it's yes. been for them. But uh, we, we love to bring you this podcast of not only inspirational and creative thinking, but these tools and methods and models, some of which our BizBro friends have just, you know, given us. But also, let's let's be quite literal on another thing they've offered us. Connections, opportunities, you know, people that you need, building the team and community around you to really get your work out into the world. Remove the friction, remove the judgment, remove the sort of self-imposed restrictions that you put on yourself and get your creative work, whatever that is, from a podcast to a photography exhibit, to a book, to a record, whatever it is you're making, let's get it out into the world. And that's our goal here at this podcast. So thanks again, Biz Bros. And this has been Unlocking Your World of Creativity. I'm Mark Stenson, and we'll talk to you next time. Unlocking Your World of Creativity with Mark Stinson. Copyright 2021. Our podcast is supported by Adobe and the Adobe Creative Cloud. The Adobe Creative Cloud gives you the world's best creative apps and services so you can make almost anything you can imagine wherever you're inspired. 
The Adobe Creative Cloud is a collection of 20 plus desktop and mobile apps and services for photography, design, video, UX, and more. We use Adobe Creative Cloud to help make this podcast using Adobe Audition, Premiere Rush, InDesign, and many more. So join the creative community with the Adobe Creative Cloud and let's make something better together.